22, and that's going to be our last chapter because that's where it ends. In the words of the strangely not immortal, um, Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead, what a long, strange trip it has been. And for those of you of a certain generation, you will now have trucking in your head the rest of the day. And I think the words you're looking for are thank you, but you're welcome. Uh, Revelation 22, uh, it has been a stunning book. Uh, I think you have to agree, but not only stunning, it's amazing, it's mysterious, and it's um, very often frustrating. Also, there's a bit of humility has to crack in as we realize we're reading someone else's mail and we don't understand everything that they would have understood. And to, and to pretend otherwise is just arrogance, it really is. Remember that most of the imagery in this book was already very, very well known to the people of the time because of the books that they did have. They, did, they didn't have the New Testament as we know it. Uh, several of the letters and the Gospels were already about this time, but um, all those epistles and such hadn't been gathered into one place. And so they had the Old Testament and a few of the newer books. And of course, the stories and the stories the narrative, that's what holds us together. <clears throat> Not law and cracking the whip. It's story and narrative that keep us together. Revelation 22, one through five. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The, <clears throat> sorry, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in their city, and his servants will serve him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light or a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Okay. Wow, let's have a look. The river, this is the first time the river of life shows up here. Now there is a really stunning river that they would have already known about because they knew their Old Testament. And that's in Ezekiel 47. And that starts off as a small stream out of the altar of God and turns into this vastly immeasurably deep and wide river. And it is representative of the grace of God. And you're gonna hear the word grace a lot and the concept of grace a lot as this wraps up. And I think, it's, I think it's an important thing to talk about because this book has been full of punishments um, and woes and disasters and famines and cultural collapse. Uh, even though it came a bit at a time, God didn't go from zero to a hundred. He, he stepped it up and stepped it up, but he kept warning Rome and the false teachers, that uh, the false religions of his time um, of Rome's time, that they were going to go down. And so he keeps stepping it up. Well, now we need to hear how the story is going to end. I, I know of people that when they buy a book, they actually do read the back of it first to see how it turns out, because that eases their mind somewhat. I don't get these people. I really don't. Normally, the book, if I'm reading a mystery or a thriller, it's a series. And so I assume the guy wants to write another book one day, that person probably is going to make it. I don't need to know all the hows and the whys. In fact, my wife is always amazed because you know, as a science guy, I'm always figuring stuff out. 
But when I watch a magic trick, I have no interest in knowing how that's done. I just like watching it. She's over there going, well, how did they do that? How did they do that? And I'm going, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really care. That, that was cool. That was fun. And I have that same attitude toward the book of Revelation. God's going to pull salvation out of the hat here. And that river of grace, that river of life, life abundant, this water's going everywhere. Now here's, and it may have no application here. All right, so warning. The Semitic people, uh, especially of this state, had a very love-hate relationship with water. Now, the love part we can absolutely get. There's a lot of desert there, a lot of rocky, shallow soil. Uh, water was desperately important for life. It always is. Um, and, you know, we have water abundant where we are. They, they don't have a rainy season in the Middle East, like we have um, in, in Asia and many other places of the world. So they need water and you know, cool water is a blessing. However, a lot of water was very often dangerous to them. They weren't big swimmers, although some did obviously sw uh, swim. John the Apostle did, we know. Um, it's amazing, but even in countries today where there are tons of fishermen off the coast of Africa, for example, it, when you read documentaries or whether you watch documentaries or you read books on this, you'll find out the people are terrified to go out on the boats, but they go out to feed their family. But they're terrified because none of them can swim. And you think, well, why don't you learn? I don't know the answer to that. It's not a question of body fat and all that. I mean, I've, I've seen the racist stuff. That's enough. It's, I guess it's just a matter of the culture. But the, the Jews went further. And I don't know about the Arab cultures on this, so can't use them. I'm just going to talk about the Jews. They, they went further and used a lot of water as a sign of being depressed, anxious, terrified, overwhelmed. So if you read the Psalms, you'll, talk, you'll hear about the waves crashed over me and the waters rose above my head. And those are all negative things. But this river is being pointed out as being a very special river. It is a river of life. And it's not just a trickle. It's not just like me and my tiny little religious group are the only ones going to get to go. This is a big river. And it's a river of grace. And it's lined with trees. It is, it's, it's, um, well, in, in Ezekiel 47, I think that's as beautiful and as stark and as living an imagery as uh, the Valley of Dry Bones, but it's just not very well known among us. Maybe, um, maybe that's because bones have a hint of the macabre about them, and we're always fascinated by the dark and the macabre rather than the, oh, here's a little stream that's growing into a mighty river, and that's a good thing. And he had to keep stressing, that's a good thing. Um, so many people, they're gonna get this. Ancient people often talked about crossing from life to whatever's next through death and that death concept was a river so you're crossing the river over uh, the perhaps the most famous one for people who have had just a, a wee bit of reading in theology uh, mythology would be the river Styx and yes that's where the rock group got its name see see we're barely in what less than eight minutes and we've referred to Styx and a grateful dead all of this is without extra charge. So I hope you appreciate that. Um, so what do all the trees and the fruit and the leaves for their healing symbolize? You know, 
positive stuff. That's all. It can't be taken literally. I've had people try to take it literally, but that would require that eternity has a calendar, which wouldn't make sense. Eternity doesn't have months, and yet these trees produce, you know, and, and, and the months, of their fruit, and it is just abundance. Remember a desert people, dry, dusty area, um, and then you come up on an orchard. Oh my. Now, some of you may have had grandparents old enough to, to talk about you know, creeping into a neighbor's orchard and eating green apples or the like. Um, orchards, that's a really special place. In fact, gardens were, um, were considered the height of luxury and peace and comfort. And so you have the hanging gardens of Babylon that Nebuchadnezzar was said to have built. Uh, or you have the Garden of Eden and this, you know, return back to the garden. There you go. There's a Woodstock uh, reference. You have all of this um, uh, garden imagery here. It's just to say, whew, the water is there. The food is there. The medicine is there. The trees, the leaves the, for your healing. Remember earlier in the book, you had no access to medicine. Don't touch that not you, you're Christians. Uh, to the Romans, you were an atheist because you didn't believe in the godhead, godship of the emperor or the gods of Rome. And therefore, you couldn't have access to this for you or your children. But here in heaven, it's all there. So when we get sick, we're gonna get medicine. You're missing the point. <laughs> Don't be literal with this. It means everything you need is gonna be there in heaven, everything. It's gonna be beautiful, it's gonna be lovely. I mean, be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Finally, a non-rock reference. That old, um, that old hymn really comes to mind here because even if you're being persecuted and even if you're dying and you're watching your children starve to death, and I cannot imagine anything more horrible than having to do that, God's saying there's a garden. When you close your eyes and when they close their eyes, there will be a garden, a river of life, healing, everything. Trust me. Wow. Uh, by the way, speaking of not being literal, the name of God on our foreheads, that doesn't mean a tattoo. It means that we look like we belong to his family. And I was moving and, and there was a group to help us. So I wouldn't do that on my own. I was moving my mother into a new facility for uh, assisted living. It's a fantastic, beautiful one. She's very, very happy. Thank you for asking. I am exhausted. My wife's exhausted. My sister's exhausted. Uh, but we had help from our church, but we also, her church down there, um, it's Cox Boulevard Church of Christ in Florence, Alabama. Amazing people. Seriously, these people know how to love. Um, you know, my church may not look like their church, but I gotta tell you something, regardless of the way we worship and the way we go about doing things, they can out love about anybody I've met. So I have to put that plug in. So I'm moving uh, my mom and some of her church folk uh, who supported my father and missionary work for decades, they show up at the door and one man freezes when he looks at me, he's not met me. And he said, wow. I thought you were Bill. You have the looks and the mannerisms. Well, that's my father. 
he passed on about 20 months ago, but it, it, the guy came down because he looked and he said, that's Bill. And yeah, yeah, um, I'm afraid that that's the way my genes are gonna program me. That said, that's not a bad thing. And in heaven, when you look at our faces, you're gonna see God in Christ. You're gonna see the spirit. We're gonna look like the family because we are the family. Now, what form our bodies will take there, I don't know. Paul just said, we're gonna be translated into something, but we'll be like him. Doesn't mean you're gonna be gods. You don't need to, when you grab a metaphor, don't kill it by squeezing it too hard, all right? We're gonna be like him and that we're spirits and we are there and we look like him and it's a family reunion. So his name's on our foreheads. That's, that's a good thing. And more than that, we're working, we're ruling, in fact. Now, there you go. Um, just as the promise of God uh, through Christ in Matthew 5, that the meek will inherit the earth, God kept bringing us up. Jesus would say, faithful over few things, ruler over many. Uh, he would talk about his apostles judging the nations. Uh, are we gonna be sitting in thrones judging people at this stage in history? Uh, Revelation 22, we're gonna be in heaven and there's not gonna be a lot of judging to be done. So what's the ruling? There's the thing. You ready? We don't know. We don't, he never told us. There are a couple times in scripture where, um, like once with, with uh, John here, uh, where he started to write something and the angel said, don't write that. Uh, and Paul caught up into heaven, probably died and then was resuscitated. So at least that's what it sounds like to me with the old science stuff. But he says, I saw things that it's not lawful for a man to talk about. So there were some shutting down saying, nope, nope, nope. So what is it? I don't know. I must tell you that when I look upon the vastness of the universe and I try to um, get my head around it, which is impossible, it's just fun to try, uh, and to see all that's out there. I've had so many people say, well, you Christians think the earth is the center of the universe. Uh-uh, we're way in the boonies. We are in one of the tiniest galaxies way off to the side somewhere. Um, and you'll hear people say, there are billions of other planets that are our size and could sustain life. Maybe. And then they'll say, but why do you think God only has a will for this earth and everything was created just for the earth? I, I didn't say that. They say that, trying to make fun of Christians, but I didn't say it. I don't know what God's doing in the rest of the universe. It's not my business. Will the rest of the universe be there when we all, as the song says, get to heaven? Uh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. I, I don't know. I don't know if God is going to take care of earth and then we got some other work to do. What I do know is heaven's not going to be sitting about on the cloud with a harp getting bored. It's not going to be an eternal worship service, although worship's going to happen. There's going to be some work to be done. But here's the deal. We're going to love it. Absolutely love it. Trees, orchard, river, everything's going to be great. I'm kind of looking forward to the surprise party myself. Oh well. Revelation 22, 5 and 6, that light and, and such. But then uh, verse 6, uh, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. 
chapter one, verse one. Soon, almost at the very end of the book. Soon. All right. Your kids come up to you and they say, we're hungry, but we're scared. There's a virus loose in the streets. We need food. We need somebody to bring us food. And you say, I want to give you some food soon. Do you mean 2,000 years? I doubt it. God doesn't use language to pull tricks on human beings. He tells these people, soon. This will be taken care of soon. Well, if you think it, uh, oh, I got to do this one. Uh, verse 7 through 9. Behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who saw, uh, who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who'd been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I, I'm a fellow servant with you and of your brothers, the prophets, and, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Um, don't. If you think it's strange that John would fall down at this point, I would tell you, I would think it's strange he hasn't fallen down yet. Um, the angel, this angel's been showing John around, you know, earth and heaven and all these pronouncements, and there's got to be some impressive being here. Um, he's been doing mighty things. Plus, John can't help worshiping. He's worn out. He's weary. He's overwhelmed by the imagery. He's got to worship somebody. So he drops right there, and the angel goes, we're, we're with you. We're part of the work. Worship God. Uh, I, I just love that. It's just such a sweet human moment there. Chapter, um, chapter 22, verse 10. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right, and let him who is holy continue to be holy. That's a very strange passage, isn't it? Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with, soon, soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are they who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who, who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. There's just so many beautiful moments in this thing, but um, let's do the troubling bit first, all right? Let the one who's bad person just be a bad person. Now, of course, he balances this. He says the people that are doing good just keep doing good. Or are we supposed to be evangelistic? Hang on. There are times in history, and maybe in your life, that evangelism's not called for because you've got something else you need to be taken care of. There are a lot of preachers. We've all heard the PK stories. There are a lot of preachers whose kids are untaught, unloved, uncherished because dad or mom were off trying to save the world and we could say that not just with preachers but there are you understand that that could also be applied to other jobs other callings if i may there are times to not be evangelistic there are times to shore up what you've got protect the flock 
circle the wagons. See, movie references too. Uh, find a way to be ready to take the blow. My uh, eight-year-old grandson plays soccer and he's at an elite level for his age. And Tennessee has a special group for this, the Tennessee Soccer Club, that they, you, know, you gotta, you gotta be chosen to enter this thing, and it's a traveling thing, and it's, it's quite, a, quite the thing. Well, he's, he doesn't like being a goalie, but they cycle you in and out um, to teach you everything. And last week, my daughter sent us a video since grandparents can't attend sports for a while, and and says, well, you know, he's standing there, and a penalty kick is coming. Now, what? as a penalty kick is coming, also so is the team. You know, they're gonna cross the line when the penalty kicker starts moving. So he's standing there alone and all of this is coming at him. He stood focused, he stood, I'm so proud of him. Cause frankly, there's not a time in my life I would have stood there like that. And I had the presence of mind to run into the feet running at you and kicking at you. And he, he stopped the goal. I know people do that every day but this was my grandson. It was really one of the first times that I'd ever seen this. And, and to see his, his courage just right into it, I was very impressed. Yeah, I was very impressed. There are times in your religious life where everything's gonna come at you. This would be a good time. Gear up, get ready. Let's not be trying to evangelize that person right now. Let's get you solid for what's coming. That's why we should give our ministers breaks, sabbaticals. That's why we should treat those that serve us. I mean, um, you could be right now thinking of, of nurses in the age of COVID. We, somehow there's gotta be built in a downtime, a vacation time. A, of course, COVID's a double-edged sword because you can't vacation most places, right? Point being, this is no time for evangelism. Gotta tell you a real quick story and I'll, I'll try to make it quick. And we're gonna be about done here. Just. Uh, shortly. It was literally just a week or so after Katrina and Rita had uh, just ravaged the South that I was asked to come to the little town of Jennings, Louisiana, which will forever be dear in my heart. I've been back there, I don't know, maybe seven or eight times now, but this particular time, and we were living in Detroit, and to get there, you had to fly to Memphis, and then from Memphis on down in. Well, it was still brutal weather cycles and landed in Memphis, and I looked out and saw the plane that was gonna take us to the tiny airport of Alexandria, Louisiana, I think is the one I flew into that time. I've flown into several of the small ones, and they're all small. This tiny airplane, and storms were just lashing us, and I'm thinking, there's no way we're, we're taking off in this little propeller thing. They called the flight. So we're all on board, and uh, I'm thinking, this, I don't think so. I've flown a lot, this doesn't look right. And then they start a propeller. Um, and I really, I'm going, no, that's just to get the air conditioning going because it was very hot and stifling in the plane. Then they started the other one, then we started taxiing. And I'm saying, no, this is so they can taxi out, then taxi back. So that way they don't get dinged on the uh, late to take off, delayed flight thing, because they did pull away. And it was a weather thing outside there. Happens all the time. Didn't happen this time. Pilot line, lined up there in Memphis, gunned the throttles, and we took off. And it was not, we were not 100 feet off the ground before we started swinging like this and bumping. And in all my life, and I have flown air yak, 
I've never been on a more terrifying, <laughs> banged up flight. The, um, the, the, the steward for the flight, sitting right in front of us, never left the jump seat and never really got out of the crash position. And since she's facing the rest of us, that didn't do a lot for morale, I've got to say. By the way, the next day, I was actually sore here from being banged up against the side of the airplane. I was not happy with the pilot. Um, by the way, we went all the way to Alexandria. The um, only time they talked to us were twice. The, the, steward, the steward reached over twice. Once was, um, there'll be no beverage service on this flight. And I'm going, yeah, I get that. And then the second time she said, there'll be no going to the bathroom on this flight. And I'm thinking, oh, I bet you're wrong. I bet you're wrong. Anyway, they literally ran out of the little bags, um, air sickness bags. And I was angry. Uh, you know, why, why hide that? I'm not going to spiritualize my life. I was angry and wanted, wanted more than words with the pilot at this stage. When I heard this voice behind me, this young man, he was probably in his early 20s. And he turned to the man beside him and he said, would, would, would you mind if I told you the difference Christ has made in my life? <laughs> and it just, it, it humbled me and it cracked me up at the same time. It cracked me up because, anyway, but it humbled me because I'm thinking, here all I want to do is kill the pilot. And this guy's trying to make another believer in Jesus. Then I started feeling better because I realized, wait, I believe in baptism and it's already too late for everybody in the airplane. You know, if we're hurtling toward a, a body of water, you know, I, I'd, I'd bring it up, you know, but because I'm a nice guy. Um, and no, don't, don't write in saying that I'm saying that if you're not baptized, you're going to hell. God's a good God. I'm going to trust God on that. Okay. Anyway, funny story, but I wasn't in control of it. I was, I, I was done with it. I didn't think that was a time for evangelism, but I could have been wrong. All right. My friend Jack Abels in his uh, as yet unpublished, but I believe he's talking to somebody at this point. But still, if you're a publisher, get a hold of me and I'll get you in touch with him. And his book on Revelation, which is quite well done, points out that Jesus, you know, he says, I'm coming. And people are going, well, that's the end of the world. No. Very often in scripture, God is said to be coming. Or the Lord is said to be coming. And Jack actually delineates those. There are quite a few. When Jesus does come at the end of time, it won't be a second coming. It'll be a lot more than a second coming when he comes back because we have no idea if he's told us all of them. But the coming has been in the, throughout the Old Testament and also even in the New, uh, Matthew 24 and such. Uh, our comings in judgment. So it's not going to be like last time, baby in a manger and songs. It's going to be judgment. Um, and then Revelation uh, let's do, let's do, oh, well, we, we probably need to talk, don't we? He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the bookends of reality and history. Uh, and I love that. The beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He's the bookends uh, of, of everything that ever was and ever will be. That's pretty important. As, as Alexander Campbell uh, said, if um, God doesn't exist, nothing matters. But if God exists, Nothing else matters. <coughs> Excuse me. Probably need to talk about um, blessed are they with the robes that they've washed and gotten ready. 
um, it's not preaching a work salvation here. It's just saying a reality thing. You're, are you ready? Are you ready for the time? Are you ready for your last day? Are you ready to stand when the storm comes at you knowing it's gonna turn out all right, even if I leave the planet before it does? It's, um, it's pretty hard stuff. But outside are the dogs. Why would God call people dogs? Because he's speaking human language using language the way humans use language. And to um, a Jew, the dogs were unclean and that was a sign of the unclean people. This book was written to early Christian believers, the majority of whom would be Jewish or would have learned their Christianity from the Jewish at this stage. So they're gonna use that language. You know, those people don't get to come in. Now, you've heard me say before that I'm a hopeful universalist and some might be saying, well, then what about these folk? Well, these folk are people, in my opinion, who would refuse salvation if it was offered to them. Even if salvation, the offer of salvation is universal, the acceptance of it will not be. I, I can see people <coughs> like, a, like a Richard Dawkins who just says, no, I'm still mad at you. you know, and and I've, I've met atheists before, excuse me, if you'd like to take a drink of your favorite beverage. Here we are. I believe there are gonna be people, even if offered salvation after death, that because of their pride, their anger, um, will turn it down. But regardless, not everybody goes to heaven. But when I sing that old hymn, when we all get to heaven, I sing it that way. In the church in which I was raised, they made us go through and change the songs so that the, the, um, the theology fit who we were. And some songs were X'd out entirely. But on this one, it was not when we all get to heaven, it's when the saved get to heaven. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, you heard me say earlier that I enjoy magic tricks. The magic arts here, that doesn't have anything to do with magicians. And by the way, I have zero patience with magicians that try to act like they're in the dark thing and they're summoning up. Oh, please. Um, no, it's a trick. You know, I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy magic, but you don't need to be silly about it. Uh, these are the idolaters. These are the people that are trying to be their own gods or find alternative gods. And they're not accepting the God in heaven. So they're up. You, you got a ticket for the wrong bus, buddy. You're out. Verse 17, after all of that, however, what happens? The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take of the free gift of the water of life. Even now, God's saying, come on, people. Just come on. He's not saying, you know, it's too late for you, Lot. He's saying, even now, just come, run, get in. If I, if we, it goes, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from the book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in a tree of life and in a holy city, which are described in this book. Now, I just feel like I got to, say something here I was when I was young they would say there are three soldiers in the Bible to protect every word of the Bible one's in Deuteronomy one's 
and um, Proverbs and, and ones in Revelation. So the beginning, the middle, and the end. Now immediately my analytical mind went, no, Deuteronomy is not the beginning. Proverbs is not the middle. Um, anyway, and these soldiers all say some variant of don't add anything to the words and don't take anything of the words. Revelation 22 is not talking about the Bible. It's talking about the book of Revelation, about this revelation. It even says this book. And they were not thinking of the book being a collection of 66 books. This book. Why? The word of God saying, don't mess with this. If you mess with this prophecy, if you edit it, then there are going to be people who lose their lives or lose their faith or both. You need the whole thing given to them. So don't mess with the prophecy. Receive it. Pass it on. Don't read your own wishes into it. Now, that's one form of something called scholasticism. I did a uh, Monday morning message this week on uh, a series we're starting called Who Told You That? And one of them, uh, this first launch really is, who told you that God doesn't want instruments in worship? Which the tribe I was raised in said, you know, it's very plain to any honest reader, which it isn't, it wasn't, because it's not really in there that way, but regardless. Um, you know, that, that caused a, a bit of a firestorm there. Um, yeah, I get that. But here's the thing. Um, we need to ask, who told you that? And we go back through and we find there are people who didn't want to look like the Jews or the pagans early days. And later on, when the Protestant Reformation started, almost all of them were acapella uh, for various reasons. Sometimes because they didn't have the money for instruments. Other times because they didn't have the time to learn them. They were subsistence people. Other times because playing an instrument would make it easier for the soldiers to find you. Uh, a situation which is still true in some countries today. Regardless, they, they wanted to separate from Catholicism just as early Christians wanted to separate from the Jews. And so they're looking at the music and they're going, well, we don't like that music. And because we don't like it, I bet God doesn't like it either. So now we're gonna read the Bible to find a reason to not like that music. That's called scholasticism, where you already have an opinion and an idea, and then you go and you read it back into the book. And then you make your creative arguments by going to, to you know, 15 different books and ramming them all together and saying, behold, it is plain. No, it isn't plain and it's dishonest. And here's the thing, almost all of us do it. Us, us, that's a collective pronoun, I'm here, us. It is very difficult as a minister to work with any scripture and not read your own culture, your own politics, your own ideas into it. It's brutally difficult, and it always will be, because this book is a mirror that shows us our flaws and shows us things we sometimes do not want to see, and we are, we are kings and queens of denial, and so we adjust the book, because that's easier than adjusting us. So he's just saying, don't rewrite or don't edit what God has to say to the churches. And then, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Even, even there, that river of life is pouring out the grace of God. God says, just come. Are you thirsty? Are you tired? Just, just come. And the ends, the last verse, 
of the Bible. And I'm aware that's just because we arranged it in this order. God didn't give us an order to arrange it in. I get that. But it still makes me happy to see this last line says, ah, grace. And that's what I'm going to leave with you. I've not yet decided what we're going to do for our next series of lessons, but there will be a midweek Bible study. Thank you to the nearly 4,000 people who have viewed last Sunday's worship. Um, it is humbling. And to the nearly 2,000, I haven't looked in a while, that listened to the message yesterday. Please share these messages freely. Um, please email us at info at rsafeharbor.com. And remember to subscribe at Our Safe Harbor Church on YouTube, Our Safe Harbor Church. Hit subscribe for us. That encourages us no end. It really does. And that will allow us to also know you're out there. Share the link because people need to know about the river of life and grace. We all need grace, especially about now. May the grace of God truly be with all of you. Cheers.